Welcome to The Remnant. My name is Tata for the fourth time probably. So I'm excited you're here. I really am excited about today. Um, I'm excited to share with you guys something that has really impacted my faith genuinely, not just talk. And and it's never talk, but I mean, this is something I've already began to apply. And it's just really, and it kind of fits with today, actually, what happened. Weirdly enough, I disconnected this. So I want anyone, I want to start with a quote. Anyone that is familiar with me knows kind of a crude way to say this, but C.S. Lewis is like my dead mentor, okay? So um, I know, that's macabre. You like that word? Uh, he, uh, yeah, he's dead. So, but I really feel like he's mentored me in a lot of ways through his books and through his life. Um, he was an atheist. I'm sure you guys all know this, well-respected, and uh, studied mythologies. That was kind of his specialty. A lot of people don't know that. Um, and he was into that way before Jesus and wasn't looking for Jesus when Jesus found him. And uh, his story is pretty amazing. But, so you're going to get some today, but I want to read a quote. It won't be up there, so just, just hear me. God can't give us peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. Right. God cannot give us, God can't give us peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. I want to start with some scripture. Keep that verse, that quote in mind. I'm going to read some scripture. You're welcome to just follow along up here. If you have your Bibles, it'll be um, Luke 4.43. But he, he with a capital H is who? Jesus. But he said to them, I must proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because I was sent for this purpose. 1 Peter 1.8. You love him. Capital H is, you love him though you have not seen him, and though not seeing him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, the great commission, right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I chose these verses. You're like, well, how are they connecting? Well, one, Jesus is involved in all of them. Um, and he said it. And for me, it's sort of, if I could pick three verses beyond Romans 8.1, that was been kind of my life verse, right? There is no condemnation in Christ. These three verses sort of describe my faith when I came to know Jesus. I had no concept of him, really. He was this scary guy. I bring this up all the time. My grandparents had that one picture, you know, of Jesus, just his head, and it looks like his eyes follow you everywhere you go. You know what I'm talking about. And he was scary. And I've told this before. When you start talking about, so you got that guy in the, in the living room of my grandparents, and then they got their group together singing, talking about a Holy Ghost and saying it's in here. I was horrified because I assumed the ghost of this man, they were summoning him or something. And it was, it was terrifying as a kid. But when I came to know Jesus and truly know him, these th- this is this is... Ah, if I could just describe how I felt and how I lived my life, and I was old enough to, you know, I was 17 years old. And I've had probably two times in my life when I really feel like I lived in this. The moment I became saved and I didn't know anything else, my buddy Jack's here, he'll tell you, he can attest to this. We're on our way home, and he says, how do you feel? And I said, I feel lighter. That's the only way I could describe it. I feel lighter. I didn't know anything about theology. I knew that I, this Jesus guy did something to me. And I loved him though I hadn't seen him. I loved him even though I didn't really know him that well. 
And I wanted to tell people about him, and I wanted to tell everyone about what happened to me so they could feel light too. So the good news, love him though you've not seen him. You believe in him and rejoice with great and inexpressible and glorious joy. The great commission, I remember the first time I heard the phrase and I read it, I'm like, I've been given this incredible mission. I have been commissioned by God. Do you remember when those things seem so real? I know what you're supposed to say. It feels that way all the time. And this isn't actually those times when I'm here to criticize you because I think... The majority of you in the room who have accepted Christ as your Savior, I'm talking to you today. If you're in the room and you haven't, I'll talk to you later. You can listen, though. I know you do love him. You believe in him, and you love him, and you live your life that way. But I would venture to guess that the majority of your faith is not lived in that. And I actually think that for some of you, that's what's led you to where you are today. When you first started this thing, it all felt so exciting and new and Glorious, And then over time, it didn't really fulfill those things you thought it was going to. You know? You remember when those things seemed real? Good news, joy, when you're excited to tell about people about Jesus, to make disciples. I remember when I became saved, I started preaching to my sister and brother. And by preaching, I just mean like, hey, apparently you're a sinner. You better, you better repent now. Right? I'm serious. I'm sure I told my mom that too, actually. I know I did. Sorry, Mom, the way I said it. Do you ever think back to that moment and when you first accepted Christ, when all of this seemed so new and different and alive? Now listen, even if you were saved at six years old, the very fact that you can remember the day that you did that is what I'm talking about. It felt like a big deal, and it felt like life changed, and it felt like you were alive. I know it did. I know it did. Because it did for me, and you have the same spirit. If you've never experienced that in your whole life, and you say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but you never experienced that moment, then, then take this time today as you listen to ask yourself, have I really? Have I really, did I, did I really accept him, or do I just, I saw him do some miracles, and I said, that's a pretty cool guy. That's different than what he has said we have to do. Anyway. Do you remember those moments? Okay, maybe, and maybe it wasn't when, for you, it wasn't just when you got saved. Maybe it was a time in your life when everything fell on fire, right? On an aside, I was told last week that since I've been calmer lately, that I might be lulling you to sleep with my sweet, serenading voice. So I can get really loud and exciting if you'd like, but I'm trying to... Remember I told you guys about everyone comes and go, why is he so angry when he preaches? So I've been practicing being calm, but it's having the opposite effect and lulling you to sleep, so I don't know what to do. Um, so just turn the knob. If I see you do that, I know i got to get loud. But do you ask yourself what happened? How does the hope, joy, and excitement of that moment or that time in your life when it all felt alive, sometimes for me, I told you two times for sure. The second time was when God literally, I got on my knees, I've told the story, I won't do it again, and I said I was in a mess, and I said, God, whatever it takes I literally said that. P.S. Do not say this unless you mean it. God, whatever it takes, get me out of this. Goosebumps still to this day because he did. And it sucked. <laughs> but you know what's crazy? And, I, and this is, <laughs> sometimes I feel like when you're, you're a pastor and you're preaching, everybody's like, oh, this is that 
Because I've heard pastors who are really good at this. I'm not. They connect, and it's like, this is what they do, right? I connect with a personal story. This isn't. I'm just, like, venting to you. (laughs) This is really my life. So when I say this, I mean it. The weird part, and I think about this. I remember the day in the last six months, probably, when I found myself reminiscing and wishing. And this is crazy. I won't say wish, Lord. I don't mean that. Uh, Longing for that time. (laughs) When I had... No job, no money, no home, no car, no school, no football. Lost a lot of friends. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I literally remember going, man, like, why am I wanting to be back there? <laughs> Part of it's because I remember saying to someone during the middle of it, actually, I was probably talking uh, to God, maybe the enemy, I don't know. I remember driving, and I was like, well, out loud, I'm like, well, what else are you going to do, kill me? Like, okay. Like, at that point, you know, when you accept that stuff, man, there's a freedom. Stuff being that life, you know, you can't control this. But do you remember that? When did the hope, joy, excitement of that moment, whether it was when you first saved, whether it was some exciting moment in your life, when, when your faith was just on fire, what happened to that? How did it get drowned out by the normal? Does that not, does anyone here, like, it's okay if not, I just want to feel like I'm not alone. Has anyone ever thought of that? Like, right? okay, good, that makes me feel a little, like, how did that happen? And then you kind of, if you're like me, sometimes you go, you have that moment where you know it's the enemy, right? Or the traitor inside of you. That's that person that's he's changing, the old you, going, are you really saved, man? Maybe you're not. Maybe that was all just emotion, right? That's how that gets you. But then you go, well, I, my entire life is based around this, so I know that's not true. But it feels that true. In my case, guys, listen, becoming a Christian changed the entire trajectory of my life. I'm not exaggerating. Literally changed the entire trajectory. I had it planned. It was easy. If this NFL thing didn't work out, right, uh, then I was going to be either an, an attorney, a lawyer, defense, which, by the way, weird thing about you Christians. I know I'm part of the club now. How come every time I used to say I was going to be an attorney and then ask what kind of, and I say, I want to be a defense attorney, you guys would get mad at me. And be like, say, what's wrong with you? Like, you're going to get guilty people off. It was just an odd little thing I've never, never found out from, like, Christian culture. But that's what I wanted to do. Because I used to think, you know what? One, I would love to get an innocent person off that's falsely accused, right? Like, those people need that. And then I feel like I can always just say, I don't want to defend you if you are a liar, right? But it changed. So I was going to be an attorney or a lawyer, or I was going to be an English teacher and football coach. Okay, done. And here's the cool thing. Law school doesn't really like pre-law that much anymore. That's what they used to tell me. So, you know, I had an English history degree well-rounded when I go to law school. I kind of, you know, as I typically do, I had made a backup plan, right? I could do either one. All of it was because, but it changed everything when I came to know Jesus. Like, and then in that moment, because all I wanted to do was like get other people to, to see what he, what he showed me, right? Like I, I don't know. It's almost as though we feel like no one else sees that, right, in those moments. But not in an arrogant way. You're just so excited. So here I am today, but I still don't feel those moments. It's not the same. And I go, well, why? Why? It was so good to me then. Like it was literally good news to me. And I know I'm not supposed to tell you that, that God, Jesus, makes you happy because he doesn't all the time. But it did make me happy, and it does make me happy. It's just different kind. So what happened to me? What happened to you if it's the same way? How did it become normal? How did this sermon today, some of you going, oh, my gosh, you were already late. <laughs> How did that happen? Another quote from C.S. Lewis, he says, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port 
for those of you not connoisseurs, a Budweiser, right? Wine, vodka. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. And now, it's so funny. His two quotes are sort of my, (laughs) both sides sometimes of my Christian journey. The beginning, you want peace and happiness? Yes. And now I'm sitting here going, well, this ain't comfortable. Like, where's no happiness in this? It feels true. I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port or a warm body or a joint or a pill or whatever else would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. It feels so true. We talk about the peace and happiness and joy, and then we realize it's not comfortable, easy, and that doesn't even really seem to make us happy anymore. We do it, it being Christianity. You're in church today, so you're doing it because we believe. That's why I started, right? We try to do what he says to do and not do, and we, we do that because we do believe. And yet, what happened? Why isn't it like the, the way it was at the beginning? We read, the, we read the books. There's all kinds of books to being happy, the 10 steps to being a better Christian, the 10 steps to being a happy man, the 10 steps to be a godly woman, the 10 steps to have a godly household, the 10 steps to have a godly job and kill a godly person or whatever else, right? It's just, and those books are fine. I love to read. And I've had books, God has used books to impact my life. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it in a good way. Like we read the books because you do believe and you you figure something's going on, right? Something's wrong. We read the books and we sometimes ask people to pray for our sadness and our loneliness and our discontent and our misery and all of these things. And we we certainly try to clean up the sin in our lives. I believe that. We go to work because that's what we do, and we give our offering because that's what we do, 10.2%, because a little bit over 10. We try to be a good spouse. We try to be a good parent. We try to be a good person. We serve when we can. We donate to good causes. This is all good and good things that I believe that God is, is pleased with. We share the memes that speak to our heart, hoping it will speak to others, but really we know we share it because we want to absorb it. We want it to speak to ourselves, right? That's why you share the quotes you do, because it spoke to you. And now you want someone else to feel the way you felt. That's all good. And some of you guys share stuff that, like, I'm not on Facebook a lot, but I'm like, that's so beautiful. You know, I'm crying and think. We listen to Christian music. music. We do devotions. We listen to sermons on the happiness and joy, right? There's something wrong with me. If I listen enough, I will figure it out. By the way, again, all good things. But sometimes, maybe oftentimes, we end up settling for this is just what it is. That's me. That's hard for me to understand, though. So even though I'm that guy, I'm like, hey, I don't deserve that. So if all I get is eternity with him, that's good enough and it's worth telling people, right? Because I don't want people to lose eternity. But it's hard for me because I read the Gospels and I watch The Chosen. Raise your hand if you watch The Chosen. Raise your hand if you haven't. Raise your hand if you just don't like raise your hand. Just kidding. (laughs) Tricked you. Um, Hey, watch that. Anyway. Read Acts and Paul's letters and I get so excited. I mean, I do. But then I also get a little discouraged because I'm like, why don't I have that? Why don't I have that? Why does it 
Why doesn't it seem like that? Like I see people, and I'm not talking about the fire from heaven and all this stuff. Like that's awesome. I'm not going to say I wouldn't like to see that. Maybe I'd probably cry and like, you know, pee myself. But the bottom line is, is that I do want that. I want it. And I know Paul lived that because I know how he died. Why does it seem like that? Why doesn't church seem like that? Like, why is church a chore? I'm not, I don't know. Like, you know, and, and by the way, that's what we've tried to do in modern Christianity, and some of it's good. Listen, I always tell you guys, yeah, we play music that you like, right? Um, we might have mist and smoke, some of you hate, and we might, I don't know, do flashy things, and, you know, both sides hate you, right? The one, you know, I've always said this, such a weird thing about our church. The liberal side of Christianity hates us because we're too strict in our theology, and then the, the other ones hate us because we have lights and I don't wear a suit. So it's like either way. But I just don't get it. Why does church seem like that? Because like the modern, like what we're trying to do is that's why you got guy at pastors squirting people with squirt guns. That's fun, isn't it? It is fun. But what do you do to top that? Like, I throw pies the next week? Like, eventually, you got to keep up in it because everybody's going to go, you remember when he shot someone with that, that water gun? That was fun. What's he going to do this week? And then before you know it, the pastor's just a clown dancing for your amusement. I get the pressure. <laughs> How do I become like Grey's Anatomy so that you guys will want to spend an hour here? I'm going to need less clothes and a fake doctor suit. That's all I know. Why doesn't church seem like live like that? It's all real or it isn't. There can't be an in-between. For me, again, I'm talking for me. I ain't even talking for you right now. For me, I'm being real with you. I can't handle that. I cannot handle that I'm supposed to read a book about a God who interacted with normal human beings and they did all this stuff and lived this way and I'm supposedly following the same God and I'm looking there going, what? How? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, but we live like that. That's why you don't like church, Partially. I can just imagine some of, some of us sometimes, including me, and we're sitting there like rolling our eyes, and Paul sees it, and Paul's like, you've grieved the Holy Spirit, right? And you turn into a rabbit or something, like, or die. <laughs> some of you wouldn't be, right? You wouldn't be looking so angry, and Paul goes, you got a problem? <laughs> it's all real or it isn't. There can't be an in-between. Does that make sense? Let that sink in. Does that make sense that we read a book about a God who interacted with people in this way, but yet we've all accepted the truth is we'll never really have it that way. Or sometimes, and I'm talking about the good stuff, clearly none of us want to walk around with sandals, you know, and like diet 34. Like I get it. I'm not saying that part. But all the stuff, the miracles, the life, the living, the things that make people run away, the make, things that make people willing to die rather than say it's not true. It sounds so courageous to say that, but the truth is, like, is it? When they're just saying that's, this is reality. We don't say, hey, we have a son. We're orbiting the sun. Like Krista says that, and we go, that is so brave. That is so brave that she said that. That's just reality. We accept it. We just, it's a fact. We still see people that would rather die than, than you know, Say Jesus isn't who he said it was, and then we're like going, that's brave when that's reality. They're living in that reality. But I'm not even talking about that, man. They seemed happy. You know, Paul's life was terrible <laughs> in a lot of ways. You know, he, we would literally, I already know what we'd do. We'd go, are you being fake happy? There is no way you're happy. You got stung by a scorpion or something. You know, you've been flogged. 
Uh, everybody calls you a liar all the time. How do I know that? Because he's always like, I'm a real apostle, in parentheses. I'm not lying. <laughs> Man, but I, like, he still has joy and he even says it. And he lives and does crazy things. I know we talk about, about it a lot, especially here at this church, but where is the good in our good news? By the way, that's what the gospel means. I know most of you know that, you Christians, right? We know that. It means good news. We just think it's a cute nickname, not an actual title. Were the early disciples and apostles faking it? I'm being honest about my thoughts. Were they faking it? We say no. That's true, right? Were, were you and I faking it at the beginning or during those times I told you to think about? Were you faking it? Because I wasn't. I don't think you were either. So what happened? What happened? Well, what I realized is that when I think about Jesus' words throughout most of the New Testament, I actually have found that it's pretty bare of commands to be our own peace on how not to worry, on how to be happy, and how to find cures to our loneliness. Did you know that? He doesn't talk about that. Todd, no, I thought the same thing. And then I went looking for it, and I realized when he mentioned worries and all those things, it wasn't what we thought. He doesn't give us an actual way to cure those things. He doesn't spend almost any time. That's why I gave myself a little out. Not very much. He doesn't. It's the weirdest thing. In fact, most of the time I see the opposite. If you go look at his actual words, it says, he's, I see warnings that life will be hard, that if they persecuted him, they will persecute you, us. That Jesus and following him will sometimes tear families apart. That we will have trials and tribulations, that we will weep at times, that we will be lonely. Jesus was. And that we're going to be scared. Jesus was what he said in the garden. Pray with me. I am so scared I'm about to die. Did you know that? Did you know that, very, like, honestly, you, you guys out there, I know. Did, do you know that very little of Jesus' words actually focus on him telling us the cure for the things that haunt us, the loneliness, sadness, our happiness? He doesn't really give us detailed instructions on how to solve the problems, which is so funny because then we each tell each other how to solve the problem. That's why we read the books. And listen, I'm not saying it's all bad, right? Some of it's good stuff, but isn't it weird that we have Christian books on how to be happy, on the detailed instructions, when the term Christian, when I look at Christ, he doesn't actually tell us exactly how to be happy? <laughs> hey, Jesus forgot something. I'm going to remind you how it happened. I'm going to lose you. Stay with me. He doesn't really do that. And that, that isn't to say that he doesn't talk about peace, because this is where you're all going to come at me in your minds. What do you mean? Yeah, he does, Todd. No, he doesn't. He, does, he there doesn't say that he doesn't talk about peace, that he doesn't talk about help when we're lonely, endurance for the trials, something called joy that seems to be better than happiness. I'm serious. That's what he talks about. It's better than happiness. And being able to somehow have peace in the midst of and actually in spite of the chaos and pressures around us, because he definitely touches on all those things. He says it's possible. But it's not a clear way like, you know, and I'm, I'm, I have a theme here clearly, you know, Jesus' 10 steps to a better life. You're not going to find it. He doesn't say that. Now, you can go and take some things from his life that will help you have that better life, clearly. 
But I thought that's weird. Like, maybe I'm, I'm, sometimes I think I'm a good speaker, and then maybe I'm not really getting him to understand. Does that make sense? Like, clearly he says it, but he doesn't, like, we like our thing in lists. Remember, I got a list for you later because you guys like that, which I'm cool with. But there, there isn't a list. It, wouldn't it make sense if Jesus just really simplified and said, hey, do you want to be happy all the time and not be lonely and all this? Here's your five things to do, right? That sounds good. Raise your hand if that would be great. Don't fib. Yes, it would be great. Yeah, of course it would. So then what... I don't know, it's odd. When I actually thought about that, and I did, and realized that odd fact, it made me realize that I kind of pretended that he said things he didn't. Not trying to twist the gospel. In my mind, though, I just kind of lived like he had told me, and I just am not seeing it, or it's like remembering a list. You know, like, hey, let me look in that book for that that answer I have for you. And you're like, ah, I can't remember exactly where it's at, but I know what's in there. You know that feeling? That's what it feels like. He, you know, I pretended that he said things that he didn't like. This is how to be happy. This is exactly how not to be lonely. So then what gives? What, when I pondered this at first, I found myself almost shocked by the reality. So if Jesus doesn't tell me how to feel alive, what do I do? Do I just keep pretending? I'm walking you with me. Okay, That's really what I thought because I'll do it because he's real. I'll keep pretending. And then I realized I think we're missing something. He does tell us the answer to these questions in a far simpler way than even 10 steps. Now, this is where I'm like, hmm, hmm. I'm going to sit and nod my head, but I don't believe it, really. Me either. He has given us the way to these things, peace, joy, a life that seems alive and adventurous. We just have to find it. Or if you are in this room and you're one of the people that remember the moments when you were first saved and you had it before, I remember a time you were on fire, you don't need to, f- to find the way, you need to refine the way. I'm going to look at a section um, in Matthew chapter 22, and we're gonna, I'm going to tell you what I found here, what we see in, in the words of Jesus. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 40. In this, it's the greatest commandments. All of you know it. All of you know it. It's not actually my point, but all of you know it. Because I'm trying to, if, if you're like me, I'm trying to find the answer. So I'm clearly going to go, well, maybe it's the most important things. If I can do these important things, then the happiness, the loneliness will go away, all of that, right? That's logical. So just for you to understand, at this point, in Jesus' ministry, the religious elite of various camps are trying to trick him into getting himself arrested. They're trying to make him speak something blasphemous so they can kill him and get him off the scene. They knew what he was saying, but they're trying to trick him. It doesn't work. They're trying to at least get people to get him to stumble and say, clearly this guy doesn't know everything that he seems to know. And so after he, the Sadducees tried to trick him and he did what he does. He just dominated them, right? Then the Pharisees said, well, it's our turn. So they come up, and they are the experts in the law, the Pharisees. 35, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is so interesting. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Now, remember that the law and the prophets, the law at this point for them wasn't just what God had said in the Old Testament. It was all the various things that human wisdom had given them that they added to the law. Jesus talks about this. You added a bunch of things, man-made wisdom, and are teaching it like it's the commands of God. Okay, And it's all of that. And he's saying, listen, everything you think, 
All this extra stuff you've added, all of these ways to have a better life, a good life, a godly life, actually is boiled down to just these two things. If you do these two things, everything else is cake or kosher. See what I did? It's a Jewish thing. Um, Right? And so he says it, and we're like, we're Christians. So we're like, of course. But we don't, that's where we're missing the context and why I wanted you to understand. Everything about the religion is the law and the prophets. When they say that, it's, it's the religion. Everything in your religion, every do, every don't, every key to happiness, every success, everything is hinged on these two things. Well, first off, they ain't going to be able to argue with it. God commands these things himself in the law. And now he's saying these two things, do them and everything else. And we're like, okay, great. But here's the problem. Let that sink in, first of all. It's pretty simple. Guys, you want all of that? You want this Christianity thing to make sense? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? I love that. You already know I've done a whole sermon on this, but I'll say it one time. He knows how you are and me. We're very selfish. Love them like you love yourself because that's who you really love the most. Your neighbor is whoever's around you. By the way, way, neighbor literally means your actual neighbor too. Sometimes we're like, it's symbolic. I don't have to like Ted, right, (laughs) next door. No, your actual neighbor. Pretty... It's pretty simple. Will we agree? If you can do those two things, right? No? In and of itself, on paper, those are easy. Yes? This is how I know you're involved. Bree, are you with me? I get people to shake their head. Yeah. <laughs> she was listening. I just picked a name. <clears throat> However, you got the reason you're hesitant is like, okay, yeah, Todd, I get it, but it actually isn't. It's clearly complicated or we'd all be happy. Duh. Do you want to know how? Do you want to know how to do those two things perfectly well? Raise your hand if you want to know how. I see that make you raise your hand. Okay, three or four in your back, don't care. Okay, anyway, <laughs> I've always wondered that because at least peer pressure at that point would make you go, yeah, I want to know too. You're like, nah, man, I don't care what you have to say. Yeah, do you want to know? Yes. Except Diana, she's just a rebel. I know how she is. Um, yeah, <laughs> now she raised two, see? Reminds me of the prayer story. Tim talks about that. She knows what I'm talking about. Everybody bow your head in prayer. Everybody, come on, guys. Close your, everyone does. And she looks at me and goes, <laughs> just let me know, like, I'm doing this because I want to, not because you told me to. <sighs> I love her, though. Appreciate her being here. I'm going to tell you how. You said you want to know how. I'm going to tell you how, and it's way simpler than you think. I'm serious. I'm not being funny. It's not a cute pastor thing. I'm telling you the truth. Matthew 4, 19 and 20. The first words we see that Jesus says to a specific person, this is Peter. He says, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Matthew 8, 22, this is all throughout the Gospels. Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. One of his disciples came and said, hey, I got to bury my Uncle Bob over here. Uh, got to stay. And he said, hey, let the dead bury their dead. Follow me. Okay? Sounds kind of cold. Keep going. Oh, yeah, sorry. Luke 18, 22. When Jesus heard this, he told him, rich young ruler, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Stop. He said you lack one thing. This is so exciting. He said you lack one thing. Jesus gives us two things. Eh, Wrong. The one thing is right here. Then come follow me. The treasure was preventing him from following me. It was one thing. That's good. I'm just going to go. No? All right. Got me. John 1.43, the next day he decided to leave for Galilee. Jesus found Philip and told him, follow me. 
18 times just in the Gospels. 18 times in the four books of the Gospels, and I looked very specific. Jesus tells a person or person specifically, follow me. 18 times. That's not counting the parables in which he actually says, and the master said, follow me, and all those things that he talks about. 18 times in the New Testament, Jesus says, follow me. He cures someone, follow me. He meets a fisherman, follow me. How do I have life? I have a nice guy. I've kept the commands. I've kept all the commands. The rich young ruler is a beautiful story and sad for one thing. That guy wasn't lying. It said Jesus loved him because he knew the man was telling the truth, that he had followed the religion right. And then listen to me, but Jesus said to him then, he'd already been a good person, follow me. How do I inherit life? Follow me. 18 times Jesus commands his disciples to simply follow me. That's not counting the parables. Earlier I mentioned that Jesus talks very clearly about the trials and struggles we face in life. He does throughout it. He talks about pain and heartache and sorrow and loneliness and trials and tribulations and persecutions. He talks about all those things. And he talks about being able to have peace, joy, contentment in the midst of it all. All of those things, but that it doesn't seem to come with the 10 points list. It just doesn't. Listen, friends, he does tell us how right here over and over. It just seems too simple. It's very, very simple. Follow me. You see, the truth is most of us are the rich young ruler. We put ourselves in the story all the time in the Gospels, and we think we're the ones walking right beside Jesus, teaching and saying, ha-ha, I'm with you, and you're not. No, we are the rich young ruler. We are the untouchable. We are the leper. We are the adulterer. We are the Pharisee. We are all the people that Jesus is talking to. It's us. The greatest tragedy in the modern church in America is the fact that you can be a rich young ruler and no one will call you out. No one will say anything because as long as you do the do's, actually that's not true, as long as you don't do the don'ts that are big, you're fine. We're unhappy because it isn't it. If that was it, why did the rich young ruler come to him and say, how do I have more life? <laughs> People respected him. How do I know? They call him the rich young ruler. Hey, you don't call, you know, the poor guy who is miserable and old and about to die the rich young ruler, right? I envision this handsome, wealthy, nice guy who did good things. Everyone knew him. How do I know? He walked to the front of the line. If you read what's actually happening, there's a ton of people there. Literally, it says they kind of mobbed him. And all of a sudden, we get this story of this guy just walking up to him and saying, Hi, how do I get life? And Jesus didn't tell him to get the back of the line. He goes, Okay, come here. And the rest of the crowd, guys, listen, you know how we are in crowds. What happens at Walmart when Bob just walks right past you and cuts you in line? You don't go. Go ahead. Most of the time, or you might, but in your mind, you're going, you piece of, right? We know those people. It's a good way to kill my flesh because I want to be like, <laughs> Bob. And, you know, and then I have to stop myself from fantasizing and throwing his card or whatever. No, they let him come in the front because he was a good person. And he still wasn't happy. He wasn't content. I know you think that's it. I know you do. That's it, Josh. I could leave it right there, right? Follow me. Oh, okay, Todd. Huh. Nope, that, isn't, that didn't do it for me because I've been told that. So let's go on. Jesus is always focused on essentially saying this. When I look at all of his, his teachings, actually the, all of the Bible, I cannot promise you that these things won't happen. 
sadness, brokenness, despair, divorce, uh, murder, killing, all of these things. I cannot promise you they're not going to happen because the fact is this is a pretty bad place right now. And I'm not going to take you out right now. I'm not taking you home yet. Why? I have a mission for you and I have a purpose to, to change you so you're ready for home. We'll get to that. But I cannot promise you these things will happen. In fact, I can tell you, if I'm honest, that they will happen. Todd, you will feel lonely even when surrounded by people sometimes. You will strive and succeed and work hard and sometimes it won't work. (laughs) And you will try to be a good spouse and sometimes your spouse will still hate you. That's what it feels like. And you will work hard and do all the right things and sometimes you will watch people that are not good people succeed while you don't. You will be lonely and you will be persecuted and they will hate you because they hated me. Who is they? You assume it's the world? Who's in the world? Yeah. Why did Jesus have to say they will know you by your love for one another? Because I also believe that he knew we were going to hate each other sometimes for stupid things. I can't tell you that that's going to, I can tell you that it's going to be rough sometimes. But God, I will take care of you. I do love you. I am not out of control here. I am in control. I have conquered all this. I do have a plan. I have not left you as an orphan. I love that one of my favorite verses. I will not leave you as orphans. He says that. That he loves us, that he will take care of our needs. And we need only to trust him and follow him. That's what Jesus says. Bottom line, stop. I already know. Follow me. So we say, that was so mean of him to say, you know, don't go bury the dead person. Oh, that's so mean. Really? When does the excuse end? I can't follow you today. My wife called me home. I can't follow you tomorrow. My husband needs dinner. I can't follow you now because the people around me say that's not what to do. I can't go to this. I can't do that. I can't, I can't, I can't. No. Did I stutter? Follow me. Why? Why is that? He says, follow me. He says, focus. So we focus on following him and focus on being him. Follow me. You you ready what that means? I'm going to add more words. Go where I go. Do what I do. (laughs) Go where I go and do what I do. Oh, I can't go. I can't go to Jerusalem, Todd. That's ridiculous. That's not what I'm meaning. I will go where the hurt are. I will the thieves are. I will go to the jail. I will go to the divorcees. I will go to the bars. I will go wherever it takes because I didn't come for the healthy but for the sick. I will go to the blind and I will go to the deaf and I will go to those that society says, I don't have a place for you. And every Christian says they will, but the true reality is, I guess I'll confess, maybe you can too, I don't always follow him. And then I say, where are you? <laughs> he told me that, I would, that this would help me. Well, sure I do, Todd. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't commit adultery, I don't have sex, premarital, I don't watch pornography, I, I don't, don't, don't. But do you follow him? The Pharisees were very, very good at the don'ts. 
Go where I go, do what I do. Listen, why is this so important? Please try to stay with me. If you don't understand, talk to me after because this is crucial. I'd rather at least understand it and decide you don't want to apply it. Then that's how important I think today is because I truly believe for me it's, it's been life-changing. Listen, why is that important? Well, let's go back. Jesus himself says what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way to what? <laughs> the truth of what? I am the answer to every question. I am the way through every situation. I am the way to that better marriage. But if not, I still got you. I am the way to life. You want to really live? Follow me. John 10.10, another favorite verse. The thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy, but I have come to give them life and give it to the full. Some of you have settled for this much in the cup when he says, I want to give you more, but you have to follow me. I am the way, the way, the truth, the life. Listen, the bottom line is the only way to get all of those things that you want, even though it's not your job to worry about it, is to follow him. It's the only way. Now, I try to add extra ways. I try to kind of go with him most places and then say, but me and you, we're going to deal with those Pharisees, right, God? Right? Hey, God, I know you don't like them, so I don't have to love them. Mind-blowing to me. Pharisees, in my mind, have always stood for the religious elite who said, I wasn't good enough and you aren't good enough and I will fight them forever. But the funny thing is, I hate them. And Jesus looks at me and says, do you not realize I was preaching to them the whole time? <laughs> that I died for them too? I am the way, the truth, and life. He's the only way. I told you, I don't have a 10-step list, but I know you like lists. So I've got three things just specifically about following him that I think is a little different than we typically do. Please, please, friends, if you don't like me, I don't care. Go home and pray about this because this is for real life changing by the time I get through it, right? Following the way to real life, number one, what to remember. You have to follow him, not just talk about him. You have to do it. And the thing about me I'll use me because I know you get mad. Or if I even if I, weird things, even if I make up a story, someone in the crowd has done it and they think I'm talking about them. I am thinking about way too many things to be preaching to just you. I promise you. Now, when I get off the stage, that's different. <laughs> Follow him, not just talk about him. When I am saying that I believe God offers grace to all, but I think he doesn't offer grace to religious, elite, arrogant jerks then I'm not following him because he went to the religious elite arrogant jerks. <laughs> and also, I tend to think he jumped right to harsh because that's why I like, like, woe to you. You know, I tend to skip to the woe to you's when I talk to pastors that are snotty or mean or Christians that think they're all that. <laughs> I was going to do the snap thing and realize that was too embarrassing. Uh, and I realized that I would jump to the woe to you's instead of realizing that all the way up until that point, Jesus preached to them, talked to them, loved them, let them see the miracles let them follow him for a time. Let them ask him questions. I don't let those dudes ask me questions. I look at them when they come up to me and get away from me. Literally. But I say I'm following him, and then I wonder why. Why are things not right? Follow him, not just talk about him. Do what he does and act how he acts. Hey, listen to me. Do what he does and act how he acts. Stop pretending. This isn't for me. You want life to be more? Quit lying to yourself that you're actually following him. Do what he does and acts how he act. Act how he acts. Well, how do I know he would treat the person in Taco Bell at, at, the, uh, at the line? Pretty simple. We see how he treated everyone. 
Focus on other people and meeting needs the way Jesus did. Remember I told you, two greatest commandments. We follow Jesus because if we do what he does, we do those two greatest commandments all the time. Make sense? He's the answer to that because he did it. He loved the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, and mind, followed him, and he loved other people as himself all the way to the cross. How's that to himself, right? Well, he died for you. Focus on other people, meeting the, the needs the way Jesus did. Ask yourself, what would he do? Guys, when I am doing this right, I do that. I will literally, one of you may be coming spit in my face, okay? Please don't. Please don't. But someone comes spit in my face, let's say. I have two options. I can, I can react like me. I got three. I can react like me. I can react like a typical Christian, in which case I will say, I love you, and then I'll go gossip and tell everybody what you did and how you're terrible and how awesome I am because I didn't hurt you. Or I can do what Jesus did and, and offer them the other side of my face. I love them. Somehow see where they're at, put myself in their shoes, care about where they're at. That's mine. What's yours? Man. Why am I so passionate? Why is Todd so angry? I'm not. I'm so, I just want my friends to have life. And I know I'm on the same journey as you. But some of you just won't stop playing the game. I honestly have said this. I wish you'd just leave if you don't believe it because I hope someday you meet the real Jesus. And there won't be any more arguments, right? It's one thing to say this is hard to do. It's another thing to say, well, I don't have to do that. Do what? Love your enemy. Go to church. It's, again, you know, if you're watching this video, I guarantee you someone out there is like, oh, here's the pastor thing about go to church, right? I am, I am, the fact that I preach this is absolutely hypocritical because I was that guy. I already had my speech. Edward, you're going to love this. Hey, I don't need you to be saved, all right? I'm good with Jesus, right? That's what I, was, that's what I said. Not realizing he said, do not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, right? That's what I would say. I was that guy. That's why I always tell people, people are like, you don't want people to come here, you're a cult. No, I don't. I just want you to go somewhere. <laughs> be involved. Be in community. Whatever it is. Forgive. Ask yourself what he would do. Do you do that in a given situation? Not just say, mm, what's the right thing? Let me see what Dr. Phil says. Let me see what John Piper says. He's a pastor. He's actually really, really cool and good and godly. I love him a lot, and he, you should go to him for advice. But is that your first thought? But are you actually, I do. This is one thing I've begun to do, guys, in my own life. It doesn't mean I do it perfectly. Let me, because the next time I, like, stomp on your foot or something, you're going to be like, you don't do that. Um, I really do go, okay, what would Jesus do in this situation? And when I don't know the exact answer, I act out of what I do know he would do, which is sometimes just saying, I'm sorry, I love you. That's really hard. Can we pray? <laughs> Even though that doesn't seem like enough. What would Jesus do? You've heard the story. I can't remember the quote. You know, Christianity is just, who would Jesus be if he were you? Who would he be if he were you? Who would he be if he was a single mom? Who would he be if he was a divorcee? Who would he be if he was a young married man? Who would he be if he was a single woman? Who would he be if he was a 13-year-old girl? Who would he be if he was a 21-year-old man? Who would he be? Who would he be? How would he act? What would it look like? That's why it all wraps around in the New Testament when it says, listen, you, your old self is dead. You are alive in Christ. You are. That's who you are. 
Well, Todd, that's my individuality gone. No, it isn't. I just told you who he'd be if he were you. Follow him, guys. We have to follow him. We can't complain about where is he and why, don't, why doesn't this seem alive when I'm not even beside him. I just did it this morning. I was like, I'm afraid I can't hear from him. That happens some Sundays. I panic. I'm like, oh, man, what if he doesn't, like, what if I get up here and stutter like I do during announcements? Yeah, I mean, what if it happens? Then what? I have to follow him, not just talk about him. Number two, stop following them. What's that mean? It's not supposed to be follow the best person you know. Follow the best person you know. My dad, my mom, Pastor Johnny, uh, Oprah, uh, you know, Dr. Phil. Um, it doesn't, I mean, even good people, the Pope. Uh, I mean, I'm saying that. I'm just trying to think of what people would think are good. Uh, John Piper would tell you himself, don't follow me. <laughs> don't try to be just like me. Sometimes it's like, it's like trying to win, like say we're gonna, we want to run our, the Olympics. Can you imagine the Americans like, hey, what are you looking to place in the 100 meter? Well, you know, I would really like to just get ninth like my idol Bob here. I know last year he got ninth place. I'm really looking to hopefully get ninth as well. Well, you, you're going to try for first? Nope. Completely content with ninth. Right? We'd be like, that's absolutely ridiculous. We do that with people. So it doesn't matter how close they are to the finish line of Jesus' standard. They're not him. And that's a lot of our problem, too, is we're just trying to constantly be like what's around us. Now, where it gets scary is what happens when the church or a person fails you because they will. Well, then you start treating them really bad because they tricked you, right? I thought you were what? Jesus? Stop following them. Stop making them the standard. Stop justifying the ways that you're not following by pointing to the guy next to you. Isn't that one of the earliest things we teach kids? You know, Ricky and Jamie. I'm trying to come up with names and no one's here. Ricky comes up and says, hey, Jamie punched me. And Jamie says, well, you poked me in the eye. And he says, okay, well, you know, no, that's, that's not what we do. Well, I only did it because he did it. Hey, clean your room. Why doesn't Ricky have to clean his room? I know you got that one. Hey, you just worry about the, you know, the story I get. It's like, hey, don't worry about it. All right, I told you to do this. We know it with kids, but we don't apply it to ourselves. Number three, this is very important for our faith. And, and I'll get to why, I mean, how it ties in. Follow him. And you need to remember that sin is not the main character. Listen, sin is not the main character in the Bible. I'm going to say that again. Sin is not the main character in the Bible. It is not... Uh, the main character in the stories of the Bible. Sin is the footnote. Sin is the minor villain that only exists to point out the glory of the hero. That's it. Jesus is the point. Sin is not the important part of your story. Jesus says sin is the problem. It's the common denominator of humanity. It's the incurable disease that we can't cure on our own. That's all real, and you have to understand it. But once saved, it's not the point. Christianity is not a lifetime of stumbles. It's not a lifetime of sin management. It's not a lifetime of good enough. It's not that. And that's what we do sometimes. We stop following because we're working on ourselves so much that we don't think we can go where he goes. Do you see what I'm saying? I can't go where he goes because I have to clean myself up. I can't go to church because I have to clean myself up. I can't be this. I can't be that. 
we are making sin within the church today, and I will say this to anyone. Today in the church, I believe you, one of the greatest idols we have is the worship of sin. Someone said, Todd, I think it was Brandon. He's a good friend of mine. He said, Todd, what did you mean by worship of sin? I mean, we worship it. Well, how do I know? It's all we talk about. It's all we focus on. And we literally go back to the Pharisees in the sense of, listen to me, I know everybody's going to say Todd's not talking about sin. Wrong. I said as a believer. That they are, it is not the main character in the story. You could do all the things right by my standard and each other's standard and follow the law and not be following him. Do you hear me? Now, if you follow him, will you do those things? Will you try to kill your sin? Yes, but it's not the point. And we make it the point, and that sucks life out of us because every day there's something new. It's like the whack-a-mole, right? I whack one mole. Here's another one. I whack another mole. You can't ever get enough moles. So it can't be the focus. The focus has to be following Jesus and trusting the process and doing what he does. You ready? He worships, he prays, he reads scripture, he's in community. He does these things, and we will find in and of itself that all those things start to happen. It's not the point, it's not the climax of the story Jesus said. It's not the, called the good news because it's about focusing on managing our sin the rest of our life. <laughs> That's not good news at all. It's more than that. When we follow him, life becomes more important. You don't have a purpose in your life, you have one. You're just not following him to it. When we focus on God and loving others, the two greatest commandments, our own issues become smaller. I'm very, very serious. I am very serious. Well, Todd, what about this and this? He didn't say worry about that. He's got this crazy thing where he tells you to love him and love other people. Well, who's going to take care of me? I will and the other people who I told to love you. C.S. Lewis again. It's just a C.S. Lewis day. I could have called it that. Aim at heaven, you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. Follow Jesus and you will, you will kill sin. Try to kill sin and you won't be able to follow Jesus and you'll fail. Like make that the focus meaning, killing sin. Certainly you can kill sin. Does that make sense? I don't want you running out saying I'm talking about blasphemy here. And if you already are, then you're not listening and you are a sin manager. I'm just going to say it. Because you're under the illusion. Well, sometime your illusion is going to fall because you're going to realize that the untouchable thing that you never thought you would do, you or someone you love will do, and then what? I thought good people don't do these things. If you make curing your loneliness, your sadness, your issues the point of life, it will do nothing but make them seem bigger. I'm serious because that's all you focus on. When we simply follow him, we do as he did, loving God and others. When we do as he did, loving God and others, the little things get smaller and smaller. When I focus on doing just today for me, when I focus on this, I'm going to preach whether I do it well or not. That's not up, really up to me. I can put some work in it. Whether you listen is not up to me, but I'm going to do what he did. And when I focus on that and loving you the best of my ability and following him, then when toilets break 30 minutes before, it doesn't seem like as big a deal. I'm serious. That's it. There's no magical formula beyond that, and I know some of you wish there were, because, again, you want to be in control. But what if he leads me here? Follow him. What if he leads me there? Follow him. What if my friends don't come? He already told you that might happen. What if I never get married because none of the Christian men like me, so X, Y, Z. Or the Christian girls like me, X, Y, Z. I can get that. Not a Christian girl. There's a re that <laughs> Follow him. Why am I so miserable? Because you're settling. 
All the while, he's 10 miles up the road, and you're like, where's God? Why is there no faith? Why is there no miracles? Love God, love people are the most important commandments. You can please God by doing these two things. We aren't very good at them on our own. Do you hear me? We are not good at following, loving God and loving others on our own. We're not. So I hope, so that's so beautiful that he says, follow me. Because essentially what he's saying is, I'll show you how to do it. Follow him. So I'm going to try to make everyone happy today. Because that's what he would do. Nope, but I am going to do it. All right, we're going to take five minutes. She's going to come up and play music. And you're going to have five minutes of altar time. That's it. That way you can get home and you don't have to rush and get worried. And I, I get it. I get it. I guess I'll just tell you this. Follow me. He's still saying that today. And right, and it's so funny, man. Sometimes when doing life our own way is good, then we can be content to sit in the road, right? When it's a sunny day and you got a picnic and you're with your smoochy, smoochy person, like you don't really care if you go anywhere else because it's just a good day. Well, what happens when they leave and the rain comes and the food's gone? then you realize that where you're at is probably not where you're supposed to be and you're saying, what if I had just followed him? The beauty of Jesus is, is that it's every day. <laughs> every day he's looking down and says, stand up, pick up your mat. Follow me. Are you there? Are you miserable? Or maybe you're not miserable, you're like me. Like You love God and you love people, but life is not life. And you, out of your duty, because you have a good heart, because he gave you a new one, you, you keep trying, you keep plugging away. It's not working. Well, I'll just kill this, and I'll read this, and I'll do this. Man, that's why I get so mad at pride. Pride. That's why I can't stand prideful people. I'm looking in the mirror. Because the truth is, we think we know, and we literally, no matter how many times someone tells you the truth, you justify why doing your way is the okay way. I say it all the time, and someone brought it up to me. I think it might have been AJ, you know, we were talking, and it is true. I guess I say it now, and it's become, you don't hate me. Most of the time, the things you get mad at me for or other pastors for, it's not me. You hate the fact that he tells you to. I didn't make up follow me. <laughs> I'm not asking you to give me a million dollars. I'm just telling you what he said. And that anger, that part of you that rises up, and I know it's in the room, when you do this long enough, you can sense it, I'm telling you. What it's coming from is that part of you that can't stand the fact, that's the Holy Spirit, not me, because I don't know you that well. And it's telling you to change something, to do something different, and you don't want to, so the easiest thing to do is hate it. And then you'll go back into your bubble that right now may be really happy, and you'll wait for the day that it bursts. And I pray that instead of building another bubble, that you'll follow him. Because I've built a lot of bubbles in my life. And it's never good, even if it lasts for a time. Are you, he's still saying, follow me today. He's saying it to, to you. Did you know that? Like, Jill, he's saying to you right now. Like, that's why life's so great, right? Like, he's still alive. And he says, hey, are you going to follow me, Jill? I don't know where she's going. I don't know where he's taking her. But I know he's taking her somewhere. And he says it to me. And you, and we're all going the same direction, but we get to do all these cool things in between. And as he disciples us, he says, follow me to you and me. Are you following him? Are you really? I'm not talking about your salvation. You may be saved and not following him. I'm saying 
before you sit and say that God has done nothing for me, this is me, I'm preaching, this is, this is my realization, that God lied to me, that he lets bad things happen to me, that he told me I would have joy and peace and I don't have it, that all of these things, before you sit there and say that this Christianity thing is just a thing, ask yourself one thing, are you actually doing what he told you to do? Because otherwise you're just being spoiled. <laughs> Todd. It's all real. I want you guys to know that it's real. That you can have life that he didn't lie. That your little sin-managed life is so small compared to what you could have if you follow him. I'm not going to promise he's going to give you that stud muffin husband or that hottie with a body, right, <laughs> wife. And I'm not going to tell you he's going to give you $100 million. And I'm not even going to tell you that your depression won't still flare up sometimes because this is the, sit, the product of the sinful place we live in. But I can promise you this. You will have a peace that doesn't make sense. You will have a joy when things seem rough. And you will have the endurance to finish the race. Why? Because he promised us that. And you've already said you believe him. Believe him all the way home. And if you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus, real simple. I know I said five minutes. I'm already going past, but this is important. Um, how's life working for you? If you're not a Christian and you're here, the beautiful thing about it, I've always wondered is like, you know, I, I, even if you hate Jesus, somehow, some way, you're here looking for something. The gospel is really simple. God made everything perfect. He made you and me to live in it, and we chose to break the one rule. He's God. We're not. He tells us what right and wrong is. We left. Bad things happen because we're terrible at running the world and ourselves, okay? And then all of humanity is like that. We are separated from God. The Bible says the wages of sin are death. We are sinful. We are evil in sight of a good God. But Todd, I'm pretty good, and so is Oprah and Dr. Phil. Mm, not compared to Jesus, and that's the standard. You mean I have to be perfect? Yes. Can you be? No, you're not. And so instead of walking away, hear me now. The standard is perfection. But God loves you enough that he came down. He invaded our, our world, our earth. Jesus Christ existed. God made flesh. And he taught us how to leave by saying, follow me. And then he empowered us to do it. But before that happens, the debt must be paid. Pretty good's not good enough. On the cross, Jesus did the thing we couldn't do. We can make a decent life. Buddhists can have a decent life on earth, right? They're pretty, pretty peaceful, whatever. You can have a decent life doing it your way, but you can't fix the sin and the brokenness. You can't. You can't manage it. You can't pay that debt, and whether you will pay it someday. That's what hell is. You will be eternally separated and punished by God. That's not fair. Well, let me come in your house, shoot your family, and tell you that I'm a pretty good guy, and you let me go home. I'm sorry. You know what justice is. And so, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. In our place, substitutionary atonement. That's a fancy word. He took our place, he substituted, and then he says we, he rose from the dead on the third day. Fact. So how can you have new life? Very, very simple and easy. But not at all. <laughs> the Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Paraphrased. You little nitpickers, but that's what it says. So you got to say it, you got to believe it. And when you do that, you'll be saved. And then you get to follow him all the days of your life into peace and joy and all those things. 
You got like four minutes. This is called altar time. If you want to leave, leave. But if you want to respond, if God's calling you to respond, someone asked a great question in a member meeting. What is altar time? Todd, what do you think it is? It's a chance for you, you individually in this room, not your husband, not your wife, not your spouse, your friend, your what a spouse, I already said it, whatever, your dog, it is for you to respond to God. Maybe you need to turn back and say, I'm not following him. I need to turn away. I'm kind of following him. Well, you're not following him at all if you're kind of. And maybe you don't know Jesus. There's people up here willing to pray with you about any of those things. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.